Yeah. Love you, buddy. You're going to see this again. <laughs> I did not expect that, but I'm certainly thankful to be here. Hi, my name's Dwight. I'm a sinner. So, 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 Gordon, two people here have been to 12-step. So when you're in 12-step, you say your name, no last names. You say your name, and you say something that you're working through. And everybody else, if, you know, if they understand they're broken people too, they say, hi, Dwight. So let's try it again. All right, so Mario, here we go. Hi, my name is Dwight. I'm a sinner. Hi, See, that's how this works. Okay, good. I'm not going to ask if you're sinners too, but we'll just, uh, we'll see as we go along. All right. Is it working? All right. I'm going to let you figure out what's happening because today we're going to talk about what matters most. Yeah, still let you figure it out. Thanks for your help. So today we're going to talk about what matters most because here's what I know. Everybody in this room needs to change. This is the camera, because Mama said, take care of your stuff. This is the camera I had when we went to Walt Disney World, October 1971. And some of you that are younger, it's like, what is that? <laughs> and the part that's really, truly interesting, what is that? Right? So this is my, my son, Mario. Everybody say, hi, Mario. Hi. When, when, when I showed my daughter, his wife, she said, that thing took a big battery, didn't it? It's like, no. Nah. <laughs> Kodak, at its height, had an 89% market share. Hundreds of millions of dollars. They didn't change. Guess who invented the digital camera in 1978? Go with the obvious. That would be Kodak. They invented the thing that put them out of business because they would not change. Today, we're going to talk about what matters most because unprecedented 15 days to slow the spread started 1,012 days, 147 weeks, 33 months ago today. Wow. I mean, anybody in here, anybody in here feeling stressed and overwhelmed? Guys are burning out, and it's not because they're weak. It's because they're human. It's been 1,000 days of continuous stress. Now, how many people in here? And, and, and David, this will be great. All right, here's a good photo out for you. How many guys in here, you can just, you're honest enough to say, I, I, I got stress. I mean, just, just raise your hands. K keep them up. Now, look at the guys that aren't raising their hands. They're so tired, they don't even have the energy <laughs> to raise their hands. It's like, Jesus, help me get my hand up. I just can't. Man, you got stressed. I got stressed. So how can you tell if somebody's stressed? <laughs> you tell them to go get the fire started so we can put the stakes on. Or, or, lady, your, your tire's low. Okay, I'll, I'll fill it up. That's a fire extinguisher. This is Iron Man. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just going to say this on Interstate 10. If you've been carrying emotional baggage, and you've got to admit, that's pretty good packing. I mean, wow. So common sense is not that common. If you've ever made your bologna sandwich you got to take the plastic off of the cheese, right? I love this one. This was out of McDonald's. True. We are closed because I'm quitting and I hate this job. <laughs> you normally don't get that at the drive-thru, Dave. All right. How's life? Oh, everything's on track. 
Yeah, there's the track. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Michael Phelps said, this is the most overwhelmed I've ever felt. It's been a long 33 months. Michael Phelps, in an interview he did for ESPN, said, I was suicidal. I wanted to give up. And two days ago, Twitch did. These are hard times. So here's a basic principle. It's not in your study guide, but I always want you to remember. Until you know the backstory, you don't know the real story. But when you know the real story, you can change the rest of the story. Hi, I'm Dwight. I'm a center. And because of Jesus Christ, my story changed. So when we can take a minute, because this week I've worked with a couple of groups who said we have suicidal staff, a couple of places, you guys know I work with first responders, a couple of places they've already lost people to suicide during the pandemic. And you say, what happens? It's the avocado theory. Avocado on the outside is kind of bumpy. Everybody's kind of screwed up. You know, I mean, everybody's got something. I mean, turn to somebody next to you and say, you're kind of screwed up because you know you want to tell them that. And I'm giving you an opportunity. It's good therapy, right? You're screwed up. You're screwed up. You're screwed up. But the avocado, there's the mushy part, and then there's a pit. There's something inside of each of us. And if you don't deal with that something, sometimes you want to give up, give up on living, right? So here's the first principle in your study guide. New Year's resolutions don't work. It's interesting, in about two weeks, most of America will tell a bunch of lies because they'll say, this is the year, Dwight. This is the year I'm going to lose the weight. This is the year I'm going to get out of debt. This is the year we're going to read books, get rid of cable, we're cutting the cord. This is the year that we're going, no. This is the year you're going to lie like you did last year. 16% of people accomplish a New Year's resolution. Why? Because they didn't understand change. Remember, Kodak owned the market, and they didn't change. I could say the same thing about a whole lot of companies, but here's the point. I don't care about the company. I care about you. New Year's resolutions, it doesn't work. Now, here's the good news. Psychologically, I've worked in clinical psychology over 30 years. I'm a social scientist by trade and training, and I can tell you that psychologically, most people don't need to go to a counselor to figure out what's wrong because either one, they know their New Year's resolution list, they know what they need to work on. Or two, they did this thing Dave called marriage and they have this partner who tells them on a regular basis all the things that should be on the list. It's like, thank you, honey, thank you, babe, I've got enough on my list. Just out of curiosity, babe, anything on your list? Yeah, I'm making you a better man, that's my... It's my goal in life, and it's going to take the rest of my lifetime to do that. New Year's resolutions don't work. Second principle. Overwhelmed isn't having too much to do. Greg McEwen said in a book called Essentialism, overwhelmed. Where do you start? Where do you start? Because today, when David told me about this, about a year ago, I started thinking about a year ago. What's the greatest gift I could give you for Christmas? Change. Being able to change. Oh, yeah. And to tell you the truth, everything has an expiration date. Everything has an expiration date. You and me, too. And I can assure you that by this time, a year from now, there'll be guys not in this room because cancer doesn't care 
how well your life plan is mapped out. Buses and trucks. Yesterday, middle of the day, my wife Sheila said, pray for one of her relatives who bought for Christmas, bought his grandson one of those Ninja Rocket motorcycles. Gave it to him early. No helmet. Somebody ran a red light and killed him. And she said, pray for this particular relative because he bought the motorcycle against his parents, the sons, the grandson's parents. He's not ready for that. He bought the motorcycle that killed his grandson. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. So King Solomon knew this. This is 3,500 years ago. Don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring. The goal is today, verse 12. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Verse 17, is iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. Because sometimes I have a blind spot, I can't see it, but somebody else can help me to see it so that we can help each other get stronger. Or quote Kobe about a month before he, his helicopter crashed because 34 months ago, the biggest news story was Kobe's sudden death. And Kobe said the biggest mistake we make in our life it's thinking we have time. Biggest mistake. No, I've, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to live 85, 90 years. I'll do that estate planning stuff that, I, you know, that David talks about on, on Channel 35. I'll do that stuff. You know, I'll, I'll get to it. Buses that run red lights or trucks, you don't know that you're not going to have a car accident. Or last year, a friend of my sister's was putting up Christmas lights, fell off the ladder, and died. Now, I tried that excuse, Mario, with Sheila to say, I can't put up Christmas lights because it's a life-threatening activity. <laughs> Didn't work. But I know we're going to run out of time. Next principle, purpose involves pain. I help a lot of people in the field of executive coaching to identify their purpose. All right, there's pain. Now, look, Jim Rohn said we must all suffer from one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The difference is discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs tons. So it kind of works like this. Psalms 34, King David said, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all of his fears. So when you and I can cry out, God, I'm screwed up. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. God's already okay with that information. He knows it and loves us anyway. Remember, Christmas Jesus got all the presents, but he came to give us the greatest gift. When I cry out, I got this thing inside. Then I don't have to act out. Acting out, typically for guys, is going to be porn or alcohol or it's going to be rage. They're going to do something, and then tomorrow they're going to feel kind of dumb about it. You know, I shouldn't have gotten the DUI. I, I knew better. When I can cry out, when I can talk through it, I can get through it without having to act out. So when somebody sees habitual, repetitive behavior, most of the time we know what we need to work on, but we have to find a safe place to cry it out. I love what Buffett said. Two words separate successful people from everyone else. It's not about time management. It's about self-management. Wow. Self-management. So... I thought, what if I could give the Iron Men some principles? Marshall Goldsmith, the number one executive leadership coach in the world, said, what got you here, it won't get you there. 
We need new skills because these are challenging times. Well, this is what I used to do that worked. In business, in life, in relationship, this is the most complicated time to parent children because of, of these lovelies. I didn't have to parent against everything in the world trying to steal my children and to steal their minds away, right? So if you want success, pick your heart. Now, there's an old saying, and it works like this. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Pick your heart. Budgeting, the stuff David talks about, budgeting's hard. Debt is hard. Pick your heart. When somebody says, man, you know, I mean, Dave, you help people work out, you know, martial arts, all that stuff. I'm glad to know, like, really strong people, because if I get in trouble, I'm just going to hide behind you, because you'll know how to take them down, ninja style. Working out is hard. Bad health is hard. Pick your heart. See, there's a, a principle in our culture. It's, it's almost funny, because the great resignation, people say, I'm just going to quit this job. It'll solve all my problems. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> I'm going to quit this job. It'll give me different problems. That's wisdom. I'm going to get divorced. It'll solve all my problems. No, there's a lawyer that's going to help you understand. You're going to get divorced and you'll have different problems, right? It's a guy who, you know, he'd been married about 30 years. He told his wife, you know, I'm watching you walk around here in our 5,000 square foot home with our 72 inch televisions in most rooms. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking you're not holding up your end of the deal. Because when we met, I had sex every night with a hot 25 year old. We lived in a cheap apartment. We had a black and white TV. I mean, I've done my part. And she said, okay, babe, I'm going to help you. You go find a hot 25-year-old to have sex every night, and I'll guarantee you'll be back in a cheap mobile home watching a black and white TV. <laughs> I'll help you with that one. Pick your hard. It's hard to deal with this person. Do you really think? Do you really think the next person won't be hard to deal with? And here's a radical thought. This is such a radical thought. Maybe it's not her. <laughs> Maybe it's you. <laughs> oh, I'm not the problem. How do you know? Pick your hard. Hard to change, but not changing is even harder. I love what Eric Hoffer said. In times of drastic change, it's the learners who inherit the future. The learned find themselves equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Wow, we have market share. We don't need to change. In today's world, if you do it the old way, old tools do not work in new times. Next principle, hindsight's 2020. Foresight is 2020 when you know what you're looking for. There are some people that can spot a fixer upper in real estate, you know, the stuff I leave that you work through. It's like, oh, this is a good deal. Other people, they don't know what they're looking for. They lose money on the deal. Some people can do that with a car. I've got a friend that does it with classic guitars and classic instruments. He knows what he's looking for. If you know what you're looking for, it's powerful, but you always miss what you're not trained to see. And if you don't know how to see how to change inside of you, you're not going to change. Right? Wall Street Journal said five principles for a better post-pandemic you. Because in the post-pandemic, by the way, we're there. In the post-pandemic, it's not about physical, I might die from this disease. We're on the back end of that. Now it's about two groups. One group that have new skills that are going to have like the roaring 20s after the 1918 pandemic. They will do exceptionally well. The other group are just going to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, depleted. Jean-Paul Chartres said, life is the C between B and D. 
because you can't choose your first day and you can't choose your last day, but you and I can choose how we live better today. Life is the sea between birth and death. And when you and I make choices today, and you made one of them to get up early this morning to say, I wonder if this guy can give me some skills to finish the year strong. Well, let's see how I can do. Eric Reeves in the book Shape, Why Don't Men Change? The book you've been working through all year. Why don't they change? And sometimes it's because they don't ask defining questions. My job as a coach sometimes is to use the AAA formula. Ask questions, develop an action plan, hold people accountable. Change is a measurable, it's, it's a metric that can be defined. So as I look at this, in the shape book, shape questions, what's right in my life, what's wrong in my life, what's missing in my life, what's confusing? If I can just get honest and answer some questions, something amazing happens. Sometimes people, when they talk about the master, and they'll say, oh, Jesus taught with parables. He did. He did. There's about 30 parables in the Gospels. What sometimes we miss is there's over 300 questions that Jesus asked. Gordon, you know because you study Scripture. He asked questions because sometimes you can, you can touch somebody's heart through a story, but for guys, it's been my experience, usually it's strategic questions. It's that left hemisphere. WMM, if Kobe were here, Kobe would say, what matters most? What matters most? Because when you can answer that, everything else falls into perspective. If what matters most is to know the batting average of a person that you'll never meet so you can possibly win on some betting forum, then don't expect your kids to show up for your birthday or for Christmas or for Thanksgiving because if you don't have a relationship with them now, they won't show up then. Well, I'm their dad. They have to. Yeah, it's a weird thing about young adults today. They'll disagree with you. And they'll say, you know, you never built a relationship. I like what Andy Stanley says. We wanted to build a relationship with our kids when they were living here in our home so they would want a relationship with us after they moved out on their own. What matters most? Is it your health? Because if somebody says, here's what matters most, financial stuff. Okay, great. Then I can look at your FICO score, your Beacon score. I, right? if, if what matters most is health, I can look at your body mass index. If what matters most, you can define that. But if you can't answer what matters most, you're just drifting. Three groups of people in a culture. People that drift, they just flow with the culture, which means that if you're average, you will end up your life uh, mostly broke, maybe a thousand bucks in savings when you hit retirement, mostly alone if you're average because your relationships have failed, mostly bad health. So I don't want you to be average on anything. I would like you to be above average. The group that drift doesn't end well for them. The second group is people that drown. They're chronic drowners that are chronically in trouble. And there are people that occasionally struggle, but drowning people need some help. They need a life jacket. But there's another group who are the disciplined. They have some direction. They go against the current, right? To exist is to change, the philosopher said. To change is to mature. To mature is to go on creating yourself. So how can I change? And it's a series of cues. If you want quality of life, QL, it's not in your study guide. But if you want quality of life, you have to line up the cues. The first cue is IQ. IQ is not your SAT score. That's for college entrance exam, and they're mostly getting rid of it because they found it was a little bit slanted toward the wealthy. 
right? Many colleges have ditched SAT, ACT scores. So we're not, forget SAT, ACT. IQ. When somebody says, I'm smart. Oh, great. What books have you been reading? You know, recently, Gordon, you told me about that book about comfort. Wow. I went on Amazon to order it. When somebody says, I'm learning. What books have you been reading? Well, I don't have time to read. Oh, okay. What podcast do you listen to? <laughs> I don't have time for podcast. Oh, okay. What TED Talks do you watch? YouTube channel. <laughs> I don't have time for that. I mean, Dwight, wrestling is going to be on, and I've got to keep up. <laughs> if somebody says, well, I want to change, but they're not learning, one of the key principles that we talked about this morning, Ironmen learn. IQ is just learning. I can define that because I can check your library card or Barnes & Noble or Amazon account on your Kindle, and I can see, are you actually doing anything to put new ideas in? Because if not, you will look very much like your father or your family of origin. Oh, my dad was a jerk. I don't want to be like my dad. What are you doing to not be like that? Because in life, when you're born, you look like your parents. When you're older, you look like your decisions. EQ, emotional intelligence. Daniel Goldman and one of the most published articles in the Harvard Business Review said emotional intelligence, most important thing you and I need in business to be successful is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is to be self-aware and self-aware is rare. Self-aware is to be able to say, you know, I struggle with. My friend Ron Sykes, an attorney right here in Winter Garden. He's been my friend for 30 years. We've met for breakfast at least once a month for 30 years. And one morning he said, Dwight, you're chronically late. It hurts you more than you know. It's about 10 years ago. Ouch. Now, my wife had been saying that for a long time. And I just thought, you know, if, why is she always complaining about me being late? I get there when I need to get there. And when Ron said it, I went, wow. And I changed. Thanks, Ron. We were going somewhere years ago. My wife said, she's holding on. I mean, like, holding on. I said, are you okay? We're on the turnpike, you know. I know there are law enforcement people here. Close your ears. I might have been exceeding the posted limit by 20 or 30 miles. I said, look how smooth your car is at, a, at, at 90, 95. I wonder what it's like at 100. And she's all buck. I mean, and I said, and, and it broke my heart. She said, I'll just drive myself next time when we go to my sister's because you scare me. And I took the cruise off, and I took my foot off, and I started to cry. I said, I'm so sorry. It's idiotic. It's just idiotic. So if you're thinking, you know, when you go home later today, what did the guy talk about? I don't know, but he was an idiot. I, I, I saw that. AQ is adaptability. AQ is the ability to change. AQ is what you and I need in a post-pandemic to be successful, to be strong, to be post-traumatic growth is AQ, to be adaptable, flexible, to be able to change. Now, AQ is different than the ABCs of relationship. The ABCs work like this. Teach them to your kids. They're really helpful. Because if you're in a relationship with somebody and they A, argue or attack, we're not dealing with the problem. When somebody's arguing all the time to be right, they're not arguing to be right. They're arguing to prove they're good at arguing. It doesn't solve the situation. It makes it worse. 
When somebody's A, arguing, attacking. When somebody's B, blaming or making excuses. We're not dealing with the real problem. We're blaming and making excuses. Well, the reason, officer, that I am an axe murderer is because my mom made me eat broccoli. And I so thought if she didn't make me, but now I'm an axe murderer. Because, no, blaming, excusing, it's popular in our culture. The C, complain. Complain and criticize. Has nothing to do with solving the problem. Nothing to do with changing. Oh, and the big one, the core, oh, your spiritual quotient. The spiritual quotient is character. Is your character better today than it was a year ago? I hope so. Because spiritual quotient, spiritual quotient is the ability to say, am I a little more, am I a little more like God's design for me? And that's why I thank you, David, every time I look at this. Yeah, I want to finish well. There'll be a day, and you'll hear, because I have a heart condition. I had a heart attack 16 years ago. And there'll be a day, and you'll hear, wow, did you hear? Dwight Bain died. Don't believe it. Because my soul, my spirit, will be more alive than it's ever been. This body will die. That's a guarantee. That's why you do estate planning. That's why there's a folder in the drawer that Sheila knows every time I get on a flight or go somewhere. There's a folder. It says Dwight's funeral. Here's all the stuff. Because why would I want her to be worried about those things? Did you know that maybe every other guy doesn't have any of that stuff planned out? Spiritual quotient is the ability to say, am I more loving, kind, peaceful? Here's a big one. Patient. Do I have more self-control? Because some people, they're just out of control. Self-control is the ability to say, I'm going to take a breath, nostril breathe, James Nestor style, Navy SEAL style, style, and I'm just not going to overreact. I'm not going to be impulsive. That reflects better character. So here's the principle from Philippians 1.6. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Jesus appears. What does that mean for you and I to be able to know? I can keep growing. I can keep growing. I mean, turn somebody at your table and say, keep growing. Because the principle is for us to keep growing because if you don't keep growing, then I'm going to wonder, are you living? Well, everybody else needs to change. And that's not how it works. Change starts inside of me when I'm able to say, oh, God. I'm a sinner. I'm flawed. Pride and lies and lust, arrogance, ego. I mean, pick one of the sins, seven dev- deadly sins. I think I've covered all of them. And somehow, Jesus Christ said, you're flawed, but you're mine. That's profound. You're you're flawed, but you're mine. And when we're broken, the Japanese art form, Kintsugai, they take the broken pieces and they mend it back together with pure gold. I think that men are flawed. I am. I think that women are flawed. You may be saying, well, yeah, more than, no. It's, uh, humans are flawed. Well, they're worse. Yeah, how many broken pieces? They're broken. I'm broken, you're broken, we're all broken. But God puts us back together with pure gold. 
And if I can give you a gift to change your life is to see a different story. I want you to see you the way that God sees you, not the way that your dad sees you. I was blessed to have teenage parents, and every day of my life, they told me they loved me, special birth, special purpose. But I have met people, Mario, I've met people who never one time had their dad say, I love you, you're mine. I accomplished some things in my life. Please give my parents and my mentors credit because I screwed it up about as much as I got it right. But I had amazing people who said, you're mine. One of the most watched things, this is Isaiah. Here am I, send me. That's my message. One of the most watched things in the history of the Olympics is Derek Redmond, Barcelona, 1992. He's the favored to win, British runner, favored to win, Pulls a hamstring, gripping pain. That's his dad who busted through security. Security said, you can't be out on the field. You're not an athlete. He said, that's my son. And the father came out of the stands to help a son cross the finish line. So when I think about what do Ironman do, David? When God gave you this vision, when I'm, when I'm not able to do it, God sends, God sends himself sometimes in the shape of a friend. David Hill, thank you for the time.